1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host. Picture yourself
2: alone in the middle of nowhere, and there's somebody following you.
0: He went on his way, we so thought, and then we went on ours. But in reality, he really followed us up there.
2: On Deadly Nightmares, the true crime podcast from I.D., listen to real stories of ordinary people stalked by serial killers and attackers.
3: <laughs> Please, tell we're not going to die.
2: Listen to Deadly Nightmares on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: The following podcast contains content about stalking and sexual harassment that may be triggering or unsuitable for some listeners. Discretion is advised.
5: If I told you this story as a stranger, it might be like once upon a time when the internet wasn't on Wi-Fi yet and we just moved past dialing into a modem. It was still the wild, wild west and a cowboy with a black hat rode into town and law enforcement just didn't know what to do with him. He started getting threatening to me. It always felt like dealing with a monster or like some kind of demon. This guy is a menace. He's a stalker. He's psycho. It was just like, oh, God, no. He's finally going to kill me.
6: That's Vanessa V, a woman who has endured the wrath of one of the most ruthless online stalkers I've ever heard of.
5: He's a sick person, that's clear. There's nothing I could have done that warranted this. What am I supposed to do?
6: Here's the thing. It all started innocently enough with an encounter between strangers in an online forum. A shared laugh over a comment, some congenial banter. But when it went south, well, that's the story we're about to tell you.
0: He does have the ability to completely ruin your entire life.
4: Once he's made up his mind, that's it. He puts you on this list and you are to be erased.
5: He would make me pay. He's hurt people before. I deserve to die.
3: He's one of the most dangerous people I've ever had to investigate.
1: Just seems like wherever I go.
6: There he is. From Discovery Plus, ID, and Joke Productions, this is Unraveled, The Stalker's Web. A six-part podcast investigating the story of one of the most prolific monsters to ever prowl the cyber world.
4: And we'll see how the power that such a criminal has can lay waste to reputations, careers, relationships, and even lives. What Vanessa V. didn't realize is that she had unknowingly intersected with an individual that possessed a disturbing combination of damaged psyche and technical know-how. He would be known by many names within the online community, but as we investigated him further, he became known to us as one of the most prolific serial cyberstalkers of all time, someone who spent decades targeting individuals with the express purpose of ruining, seemingly, every facet of their lives.
6: I'm Alexis Linkletter, a true crime documentary television producer and an investigative journalist.
4: And I'm Billy Jensen. I'm an investigative journalist and true crime producer. The cyber world is the latest frontier of human interaction, but for all the good it has brought, it remains dangerous territory. Where vengeful personalities and unstable minds have the ability at their fingertips to toy with people's lives to the point where their victims have no place to hide and no laws to protect them.
6: We got a small taste of this ourselves a few years ago, during our early days of podcast hosting. For a brief period, I was stalked online by a stranger, and it was scary. I'll give some details on that later. But it made Billy and I curious about the dark and even deadly world of cyberstalking. We wanted to explore it deeper.
4: Over this past year, Alexis and I have spoken with dozens of victims of cyber crimes, along with the professionals who investigated these cases and pursued these offenders. We encountered horrific stories of lives upended, disturbing tales of extortion and psychological terror, and unbelievable cases that ended in murder. And we uncovered the granddaddy of them all, the predator who not only targeted Vanessa V, but upwards of 50 other victims over the better part of four decades.
6: I decided to tell this story because every male friend I talked to told me not to do it. They said I should stop investigating and stop inserting myself into this world. People are scared of these criminals, and not enough people are speaking out because of it.
4: And I'm telling this story because, having now investigated it, I came to realize that you'd rather face a guy in an alley with a knife than an online predator with a keyboard. You know you might get hurt in the knife fight, but at least you'd have a fighting chance— Against a cyber criminal, you're fighting with both hands tied behind your back.
6: So, Billy, do you remember, I don't know, I think it was two years ago, maybe, when we had that guy posting in our Facebook group who was asking me out on a date, mm-hmm. and then all of the mods and admins in our group kind of turned on him and said it was inappropriate because it kind of was.
4: It, um, it, it got a little much, and, and then he got booted, right?
6: They kicked him out of the group, but for some reason, he thought I had kicked him out of the group, and then he started retaliating, and he started making all those awful posts on iTunes and sending you messages, and I think there was some Instagram stuff. I think he
4: showed up on your Instagram account, right?
6: Yeah, but then I learned that he'd actually gone on to stalk some really high-profile people, and it really does make you wonder how they pick and choose what they're going to do, because I got lucky. He lost interest. Yeah, But there's some a lot of news coverage about this guy and his, his behavior with some high-profile people. And it really does make me wonder like, why they choose the people they choose Not and true. how badly it could have been. And it really was sort of a gateway taste into what that could have been like. My encounter with this notable cyber stalker happened in 2018. As he targeted me over those several weeks, I struggled to understand his motives. What did he get out of it? Because his behavior scared me. And I think that was the point. I think he got off on that.
4: A quick note before we dive in. You'll notice we're adding a last initial to Vanessa's name. That's because there's more than one Vanessa in this story, a point we'll examine more closely later. We're not giving full names. Because the victims you'll hear from have been scarred by their stalkers to varying degrees. The outcome of their experiences has left many with a sensitivity to strangers but they were willing to trust us with their stories in order to shed light on this issue.
5: This is so much of my lifetime being dedicated to fear. This has gone on so long, and no one's done anything about it. Vanessa V. was incredibly
6: honest and vulnerable during our interview. She admits that she's endured a lot of trauma during her ordeal, an ordeal that started back in
5: 2004. I'm in my mid—I'm in my— like 24, 25. I live in Dallas, Texas. I'm going to college for studio art, and you know, um, just being young, I guess. I was married to a guy I'd met in junior college, not the greatest marriage. We were both very young. I, I was 23 when we got married. I was pursuing a Bachelor's of Fine Art with an emphasis in arts and performance. And just, you know, you don't have a lot of spare time aside from being an art major. Occasionally I'd goof off online because it didn't cost you anything to read people's live journals and I was getting to make new friends from all over the place and trying to network for what would eventually become my career. The internet's still kind of a baby at this point. I, you know, I'm using MySpace, uh, LiveJournal, you know, and like AOL chat and Yahoo chat.
6: And how does LiveJournal work?
5: It's basically an early blogging platform that had, uh, it was networked together so you could like add friends and interact and watch each other's feeds. I mean, it's not dissimilar to Facebook. It was just more like blog oriented. I don't think we knew how to behave on the internet. I think we were still figuring that out. And like, you're using a fake name, you're choosing who you let in and out. So like, there's a certain level of safety and it's okay to be like super personal. And I think part of the appeal of the web back then is you could meet people you wouldn't normally talk to and that experience like information and culture from other people. So yeah, you friended a lot of people that just seemed all right. And you know, had a similar interest group to you. There was a live journal community, and somebody with a name like Antisense had made a comment, and I responded ha ha because I thought it was funny. And the guy friended me. I didn't really think anything of it.
6: That random friend request from the user named Antisense kickstarted an online interaction that at first seemed innocent, if not a bit weird.
5: So then he starts messaging me, Hey, do you want these books? I've got 300 esoteric texts on CDs. Can I mail that to you? Uh, hey, I'm really interested in X, Y, and Z, and here's some great pot recipes. It's so wacky.
4: Vanessa spoke periodically with Antisense, who lived in Austin, less than 200 miles away from Dallas. She treated the relationship like any of her other mini-anonymous connections on the web. But soon, this weird interaction turned unsettling. As his online messages became uncomfortably graphic.
5: Out of nowhere, it's a lot of porn with him and, like, other people. and I Photos I
6: and videos of himself engaging yes. in
5: acts? Yes. Yeah. I didn't ask for this. I just get it. And I I mean, at that point in my 20s, I did not have much of a spine. I was just like, I don't really want this. I don't care about that. Can you stop? He never listened. Out of nowhere, it's like, I really want to find someone to have a threesome with me and my wife. We're going to make a spiritual parakeet. You could be the left wing of the spiritual parakeet. And I'm just like, I would not like that at all very much. Please go away.
6: Okay, let's stop for a moment here, because this sounds really extreme. So were these photos actually as bad as Vanessa was saying? So we asked if she still had them, and she agreed to share them with us.
4: When we saw them, they were just as Vanessa was saying. The images showed a dark-haired man and two women in someone's house, naked. And they were taking post photos of each other in a variety of sexual interactions.
6: Remember, these were sent to Vanessa unsolicited, which makes it even creepier. So here was our reaction. Oh, these are so strange. Female one is holding mannequin heads. And so is female two. And it's super, super creepy. And then there's a picture of a parakeet hyperimposed into the photo. This is so bizarre. Vanessa said something about the third wing of the sexual parakeet. Mm -hmm. So the assumption is that it would be the three women that create this parakeet. Yes. Oh my God. Okay, so there's a female wearing a strap on and he's bent over and his hands are cuffed behind his back and she's doing something to him. Oh, wow. These yep. are graphic.
4: Look, she has like a collar around her neck.
6: I'm speechless with this one. He's. This is female two. I can't and he's over her with his hands. This is very hard to explain.
4: His hands are on. She's laying face down. He's kneeling over her his they're both naked and his hands are on her buttocks.
6: Yeah. Let's talk about the toys. So we've got a strap on that the females wearing. We saw handcuffs. We saw collars. So lots of props, a lot of sort of BDSM implications here. I am struggling to understand the inspiration for these. Yeah. Why would somebody send these? I mean, Presumably it's to convince her to come join their sexual party.
4: Yeah. Uh,
6: which didn't work, and I'm not really surprised that it didn't work based on these photos. Strange shit, man. Yeah. Despite Vanessa's requests for antisense to stop propositioning her, he did not let up.
5: He's starting to get real insistent that I drive from Dallas to Austin to hang out with him, and I was not confident enough to like stand up for myself. I was in a bad marriage and did not have the best parents, so I didn't have any support or coping, and that seemed to really interest him, kind of.
6: Vanessa never did agree to meet with Auntie Sense, but over the next few years, he continued to contact her, urging her to change her mind. It didn't happen the way he hoped.
5: It was 2008. I was in graduate school at the University of Houston, and I had left the musician at that point. We got divorced. I saw that antisense was persisting and stalking some of the people that over talking to him, it had become completely obvious that he was harassing. It was nice to have people to talk to, but I can't stand bullies. So I'd always just get so upset that he's hurting all these people. I can't sit there and watch someone just bully and abuse people. So I tried to help in what way I could.
4: Vanessa alerted some of the other users. Warning them about the kind of individual Antisense appeared to be. Unfortunately, Antisense was watching her every online move.
5: I kind of woke up and logged into Yahoo Messenger and started getting this tirade of "I've betrayed him. How dare I give information to the enemy? Like you know, he told me I'm gonna blow up your life and you'll regret doing this." He would make me pay. Uh, He's hurt people before. I deserve to die. It's not that far to Houston. I was scared.
0: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature?
1: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
2: picture yourself alone in the middle of nowhere and there's somebody following you
0: he went on his way we so thought and then we went on ours but in reality he really followed us up there
2: on Deadly Nightmares, the true crime podcast from ID, listen to real stories of ordinary people stalked by serial killers and attackers.
3: <laughs> Please, on, we're not going to die.
2: Listen to Deadly Nightmares on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. I'm very lucky to have a close relationship with my amazing mom, and I'm doubly lucky to be friends with some amazing moms. The thing is, this means that every year, right around this time, I get those panicked phone calls asking for Mother's Day gift recommendations from, obviously, their partners. So I was excited to learn about StoryWorth just in time for Mother's Day 2024. StoryWorth is an interactive way to preserve your loved one's stories for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question like, what do people get wrong about you? Or what's the most incredible trip you've ever been on? All your loved one needs to do is respond to that email with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. StoryWorth will send you a copy of your loved one's response, and after a year, StoryWorth compiles the stories and some photographs into a beautiful hardcover book that will last for generations. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. The moms in my life are big-hearted, hilarious, and they're all super storytellers, so they're going to love StoryWorth. I just know it. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash unraveled. That's storyworth.com slash unraveled to save $10 on your first purchase.
6: Facebook launched in 2004. Twitter launched in 2006. And in 2008, Antisense launched a virtual blitzkrieg against Vanessa V.
4: This online mystery man had spent the previous four years trying to groom her for his own personal gratification, or more specifically, group sex. When his efforts backfired, he set out to make her pay.
5: The first thing he did to defame me is, I was in graduate school at the University of Houston, and he emailed my graduate advisor and the head of the department about me being in a porno or something. They didn't take it very seriously because they kind of knew me, but he did try to get me in trouble with my college. He emails me or mentions me in comments on somebody's blog or sends me messenger threats. And then like, this is the thing, like you block him. He's got like 300 other accounts. You never make this guy go away. He told me at one point, don't even bother blocking these, I have so many, you'll never, you might as well just never use Yahoo Messenger again. And I stopped using Yahoo Messenger. He was bothering my boyfriend at the time too. He emailed his jobs, trying to get him fired. I was like, why?
4: Did you notify the police?
5: I did call the Houston Police Department and the Houston police officer that I filed a case report with just did not care. She actually did not ever file the case. He even started like popping up and sending different threats while the officer was there and she just didn't know what to do.
4: So while the Houston police officer was taking your statement, he was sending you threats at the very same time that that was happening?
5: Yeah. He starts doing it and the cops are reading it and I kind of respond a couple times and she's just like, this doesn't mean anything.
6: With no assistance from authorities, Vanessa did her best to maintain a sense of normalcy in her life. She got remarried. And in 2010, after finishing grad school, she and her new husband moved to Michigan. But here's where Vanessa was brutally honest. Her life was not pretty at this point. The job market was still in shambles from the Great Recession, and her marriage wasn't doing much better.
5: That was like a really dark time. The economy was so bad when we were in Michigan, My husband and I were not in a good place. And I mean, I was just already kind of suicidal. And then the second we started to relax, there he was again. So he just hit you
6: at the right time where it just like, it it felt like an avalanche on your life. And it just amplified everything that you were already struggling with. Yeah.
4: In the middle of Vanessa's darkest hour, antisense reappeared. It made things even worse, with frightening, terroristic messages.
5: I would always hear out of him about how he knows where I am. The ones where he actually threatens to hurt me were always really scary. In Michigan, he did send me something that told me that he'd used a 22 to kill someone before, and it wouldn't hurt him to kill more people.
6: An outright... Death threat, a claimed confession of another murder. Surely this would be enough for local police to do something,
5: right? They read it and said they just didn't have any grounds to file anything. I don't think Grand Rapids even sent out a cop.
6: So death threats aren't enough, apparently. The party line from police was that if there wasn't evidence that he might actually follow through, then his threats were not even worth
5: taking seriously. And so he starts sending me these things about how he's gonna like kill me and ruin other people's lives. And I'm just, if you're somebody that has suicidal um, ideas, it, it, it definitely sends you into that spiral. Uh, do you have tissue? I'm sorry, I need a second.
6: Yeah, we'll grab you some, sorry.
4: After eight months of struggling in Michigan, Vanessa and her husband needed a change.
5: There was, like, not really jobs. We were living with his dad. So after Michigan, we went back to Dallas.
4: But she would find out, once again, that the mystery stalker, Antisense, was tracking her every move.
5: In 20, I think it was 2012, 2013, he, um... I was working as a legal secretary and he started emailing all of the lawyers I worked for. Apparently he had somehow gotten onto my LinkedIn and saw where I was working. I did make some web pages about him to try to find other victims and have a publicly searchable account that like this guy is hurting people, but he would doctor it so that I looked like I was stalking him. And send it, he sent it to the lawyers. So they're like, did you post this? I'm like, no, let me show you the exact page. My bosses didn't understand, like, why this was happening. How have you never met this person? Was he your boyfriend? You know, whatever would justify what was going on in their brains. You must have done
6: something to incite it. Yeah,
5: I must have done something to incite it. I'm a bad person. Um, I Did I sleep with him? just really sticks in my call, like that somehow justifies this I did have my boss sit me down and he's like well what are we gonna do to stop him and I'm like well what can I do to stop him I've called the police and he's just like I don't know but you have to fix this or you're gonna be in trouble
4: so what happened with that job they fired me did they give you a reason
5: uh, you don't have to in the state of Texas
4: Antisense was fulfilling his threat to make Vanessa pay, and to ruin her life. She had warned others that he was dangerous, and he was now punishing her by proving her right.
5: After I was fired, he decided to email me a list of the Dallas homeless shelters, and told me that uh, "good luck with my dumpster diving."
6: How do you think he knew you were fired?
5: He saw it on my Facebook. It's, it's,
6: just malicious at this point, yeah. just sadistic emotionally.
5: Yeah. At one point, like, I don't remember what exactly it was that triggered it, but one of his emails freaked me out so much. I deleted everything. I was like, maybe this'll just make it go away. You're afraid to look for another job because then you kind of like, how do I explain why they let me go? It robs you of your confidence because you're, afraid of what people are going to Google or what people are going to see and there was a point where he was trying to actively make me look like a white supremacist and that's not the case it's humiliating and then you know you're going to get all these personal questions and you know you're so scared nobody's gonna to listen to you because so many people don't or they just don't get it. You feel like you're on trial when you didn't do anything wrong
6: There is an uncomfortable truth we need to address here. The fact that Vanessa is a woman didn't exactly help her out. Anti-Sense's sadistic campaign was also aimed at Vanessa's husband, and the response was noticeably different.
5: When he emailed my husband's jobs trying to get my husband fired, my husband's employers took him much more seriously. He didn't get the, like, well, you know, what what did she... did you, did you have sex with him? Like, did they date? Nobody asked him that. Nobody was like, well, why is this happening? He's just like, this guy harassed my wife, and now he's in, so they just. It was really hard watching a man not get all the blame and not get all the questions. I think it's this dialogue of like, well, why did you deserve this that is the most hurtful? For context,
6: This was happening a good four years before the Me Too movement hit national prominence in 2017. So not only was Vanessa dealing with the misconception that online threats aren't quote-unquote real, but the ingrained belief that she might have been overreacting to them or that she was even somewhat culpable or somehow deserved it.
5: I don't understand how people can acknowledge that someone's behaving egregiously and then try to blame the person that they're being egregious to for what they're doing.
6: I got to hear some of Jason's egregiousness during one of my first calls with Vanessa V. When she read me several emails he sent her.
5: Buck up. Being homeless and trash diving for your lunch will probably carve some lard off of your monstrous ass. I will hound you to hell and back. You got nothing on me. I haven't broken a single law. At one point, I want to say around 2013, he had sent me this email about how he's going to take a pound of flesh and um, my mottled ass can give that up because I'm so fat and i showed that to a dallas police officer and he told me that wasn't a death threat and i'm like that's a line from the merchant of venice that's like supposed to be like either you pay me my money or i'll take i'll torture and kill you it is very much a threat and he's like no it isn't quit using the internet was that cop's response and i was like you know there is no way in modern society you can avoid using the internet Especially like, I was working as a web marketer then. I couldn't, that would cost me my living, you know.
4: With still no help from authorities, Vanessa grew increasingly paranoid, never knowing where or when her stalker would strike.
5: There were periods where he'd go up six months, a year, I wouldn't hear from him, and then all of a sudden it was just a torrent of crap. It felt like just saying his name would somehow like summon him from the pits of hell. One time in Dallas, when he was threatening me, I thought I saw him drive by in a car, and I had a complete panic attack and like wouldn't leave my apartment. <laughs> I just could not leave my apartment for anything. Like it just like I think three four months is the worst jag. It always felt like he'd shoot me going to my car or something. I mean, if somebody really wants to hurt you, what can you do? I mean, I've been scared enough that I debated getting a shotgun. I I have major depressive disorder, so I chose not to do that because I thought, I think it would be a mistake.
6: Vanessa did her best to hold things together and keep building her life. Then one day in 2013, things took an unexpected turn.
5: I got into work around nine or 10. I sit down at my laptop and my personal email pops up. And he sends me pictures of his burnt house and car. Apparently,
6: someone had firebombed Anti Sense's car in Austin. And the reason he's sending these photos to Vanessa is the biggest shock of all. He's told authorities she
5: might be the culprit. Yes, I was a suspect. And I'm just like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God.
4: There's a saying in creative writing circles. Everyone is the hero of their own story. Cyberstalkers have incredible resources for victimizing others. But we would also learn they have an astounding propensity for casting themselves as the victims. They justify their actions because they think they're the good guys, simply getting revenge for wrongs committed against them. Antisense now had physical evidence to support that narrative. And he was blaming Vanessa V., who could now face anywhere from 2 to 20 years in prison for arson.
6: So who actually firebombed his car? Was it random? Was it someone else getting back at him for his relentless harassment? Or could Antisense have done this himself, casting blame on a target while possibly cashing in on some sort of insurance? Whatever the reality, Vanessa V. was now the subject of a criminal investigation.
5: This is the first time I knew for sure where he lived, and so that was shocking. I was shocked that he would send me that stuff. I got my boss. I had already had the... Uh... I have a psycho stalker who's gonna email you guys conversation. And I'm like, I have to call the Austin Fire Marshal real quick. It's related to the stalker. And he's like, okay, tell me about it later. So I, Call the fire marshal and he's like, I I was going to call you and your husband at some point. You just saved me the time. And I'm like, okay, well, I wanted to be up front because I'm not an arsonist. Um I play a geocaching game that I was like playing before work. Like you can I'll, I'll give you a thing to pull my cell records. You can see I was in Dallas. I don't even know where this guy lives. He did ask me some questions like, where was I? What was I doing? Was anyone with me? You know. He seemed completely, like, confused and overwhelmed. According to
4: the fire marshal, antisense claimed that Vanessa V. had been harassing and stalking him. It was a disturbing turning of the tables. And she's not the only potential suspect he named.
5: The Austin fire detective says he has, like, 40 people to contact. And I'm just like... 40? How many more are there?
6: Is it possible that Anti-Sense had that many people in his virtual crosshairs? Could any cyber stalker be that prolific? Billy and I would look into this, which you'll hear about later. The good news for Vanessa is that the scope of the investigation was finally drawing some positive attention from law enforcement.
5: The fire marshal, he's like, I'm forwarding this to a cyber crimes unit. It's brand new. They're supposed to handle this kind of thing. I've talked to this guy named Spencer Chow since he lives in Austin. That's otherwise we couldn't because you're in Dallas. And I'm like, okay, I would love that. And Spencer was such a breath of fresh air. Like he took it seriously and I didn't get the judgmental questions, and, I mean, he was baffled and he wanted to understand.
3: When I first heard it, I didn't know the scope of magnitude, and I felt shocked when I realized it wasn't two women, three women, four. multiples of dozens, 30, 40 or more.
4: We caught up with Detective Chow ourselves in order to hear firsthand what he began to discover about this
3: case. When I requested the arson report, I was given everything. It was like the details of what, where it started, how it possibly started, and a list of suspects. And what were those details? The, the sense that I had was somebody was trying to find their justice that we couldn't give them. That there was actually a group of women. A lot of them communicated about what he was up to, what he had done to them.
6: Chow was able to collect some examples of Antisense's work from his various targets. In a strange quirk, there were multiple women named Vanessa that he targeted. But there were also dozens of other victims, and Antisense had a vile hatred for them all.
3: An individual who was pregnant at the time was receiving pictures of babies, infants that had He recently died, that were burned, that were mutilated, and his victims have been devastated for decades. I heard that he was stalking uh, as early as in the fourth grade.
4: The picture we were getting of this suspect had become disturbingly clear. This guy was the Ted Bundy
3: of cyberstalkers. He's one of the most dangerous people I've ever had to investigate. I thought this guy was nuts. Clinically, probably diagnosable, but there's something very dangerous about a person who would do something like this. His life was pretty much causing torment to others. I think it's worse than any physical crime. Emotional stress, Stalking, harassment can even lead to post-traumatic stress. I mean, it's worse than being punched for 20 years. I realized something had to be done. I started to reach out to the victims, only later to realize I actually didn't have the power to help because it was out of my jurisdiction.
4: This is where it gets maddening. Antisense had victims all over the country. But local agencies had no power to coordinate with each other to build a case against him. And the local laws that did exist were woefully inadequate.
3: Some of our laws weren't quite up to date with how to prosecute because stalking was an individual following another or repeatedly showing up at a place of business. It just wasn't a crime to stalk somebody over the internet.
6: But Vanessa had an idea that might give them a way in.
5: This guy admits to a lot of people that he does a crap ton of drugs. If you go in that house, you're going to be able to arrest him for, like, whatever's in there, but you're going to have to get him by surprise.
6: Vanessa's idea was smart. If Antisense's cyber-stalking wasn't enough to get him arrested, then maybe his drug use was.
4: Antisense had been very open about his drug use online. He had even shared his pot recipes with Vanessa. So there was good reason to believe he would have drugs at his house.
6: This approach was shaping up to be Vanessa's only shot. After years of being harassed, humiliated, and losing jobs, if she wanted this guy to pay for what he had done, this was looking like the only way to make it happen.
5: They set up to do a raid on a certain day. This was gonna finally all end.
3: I felt myself getting a little bit excited, having him within a jurisdiction that I actually could take action on.
6: The time had come for police to put a face to the name and to make sense answer for his horrific behavior. But when they made their move, a surprise was waiting for
3: them. Somehow, he was tipped off. By the time they tried to do a search warrant on his house, he was gone.
4: One of the most prolific cyberstalkers ever had vanished in the wind.
5: The mistake they made was telling all of us when that day was, and unfortunately, somebody let slip when it was in kind of a bragging scenario. So he got the heads up and had completely bailed on the house. I was very mad about that.
3: We were really close to having him and to have him escape. I just felt kind of low, kind of disappointed.
4: But there would be one more approach that might offer Vanessa some hope.
5: Spencer said, I have a buddy who's with the FBI. I'm going to show him all of this. The stalker has been sending you emails from this Canadian company called Hushmail, which is supposed to, you know, hide IP addresses and keep emails completely anonymous. However, using a foreign email server to harass people in the United States is a felony, and that falls under federal jurisdiction. I think we've got a good case to take this federal if we can just get them to take us seriously.
6: To Detective Chow's credit, he did get the FBI to take the case seriously. The pile of evidence was growing against antisense. Including the fact that he wasn't known as Anti Sense to most of his victims.
5: But who was he? Serial Cyber Stalker goes by the names Lewis, M. Arsupial, Michael Rudra, Nath, David Powell.
3: He's changed his legal name, he changes states, location, masking his internet ID. Um, with, like, a a VPN or something. He moves from one place to another, and he's constantly taunting his victims, saying, hey, you know what? I did this, and you can't stop me.
4: As the FBI reached out to more victims about their tormentor, one name rose to the top and was soon confirmed to be the name he was originally given. Antisense was born Jason Christopher Hughes. The hunt for the cyber predator was now underway, but he had a massive head start. Here are some of the highlights of what you'll hear this season on Unraveled.
5: He was brilliant. You have to understand, he brilliant beyond words. Fine line between a genius and a psychotic, I guess. He'd go in the
4: computer lab and record people logging in and get
0: their
3: credentials that way.
0: I started getting emails of burned infants
5: wishing death upon my child. I was like, who the fuck does that? It's really hard to live your life not knowing when or how this unhinged person was going to show up.
3: Jason was all about revenge.
4: I never knew which shadow he'd step out of. I was scared of him.
5: I could not believe my eyes and my ears when I saw what he had done. I almost vomited. He believed he had a demon inside of him.
2: He's threatening to kill my family. He just left it all in ashes.
6: Unraveled is produced by Joke Productions for ID. The executive producers of this podcast are Joke Fincioun, Biagio Messina, and Jeff Kuntz, along with myself, Alexis Linkletter, and Billy Jensen. The executive producer for ID is Tim Bainey. Additional producing and writing is by Eric Smith. Our editor is Aaron Frischa. The music and score that you've heard in this podcast is by Biagio Messina Dave Pellman in the Alibi and Nimble Libraries. I want to extend a special thanks to Vanessa V for sharing her story with us. If you or someone you know has a story to share about Jason Christopher Hughes, you can email us confidentially at unraveledtips at gmail.com. You can also visit survivingjason.com for more information and helpful resources on cyber stalking. Make sure to check back for episode two next week, wherever you get your podcasts. It helps a lot when you subscribe, rate and review the podcasts that you enjoy. Thank you for listening and for your support.